Hello and welcome to another exciting, fun-filled, adorable episode of Leave It to Beaver. No, it's the life of Brian, dot, 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 Mannix, that is. And here he is from the penthouse on the Gold Coast, where he apparently lives sometimes. Brian Mannix joins me. My name's Kevin Hillier, incidentally. Hello, Brian. Hello. I heard you say beaver and I tuned right in. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Hello, Kev, and um, hello, everyone. I was searching um, very desperately to think of a, a, a wholesome, adorable television program from from the history, and, uh, you know, I, I probably should have gone Happy Days or uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, is it? but if I thought I thought if I say Dick Van Dyke, you'd pick up that, and I said, leave it to Beaver, so you've gone straight for there. Anyway. Well, I was watching Skippy earlier today, and Sonny and Skippy had to jump out of the helicopter with a parachute, and Skippy was swimming around. It's fantastic. And, um, and just uh, while I do, I just got to say this. <laughs> um, I spoke to Tony Bonner uh, for our Food Bites podcast just a couple of weeks back, and he's coming up in a, a couple of weeks' time. Uh, he's a terrific character, the helicopter pilot from Skippy. He's alive and well and going terrifically. And he came on Food Bites and spoke to you about uh, how to cook kangaroo steak. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, how are you, we're Rockstar? Well, I'm, I'm good. And I had a wonderful day yesterday in that, and the date finished with this poignant question, mm-hmm. which where's Val's teeth? What? So, where is Val's teeth? Right. It was a bit of a mystery. It was a bit like an Agatha Christie book. Right. Um, we were all invited over to Craig Bennett's house. Now, Craig Bennett is, you know, the guy that does the Hollywood gossip. Hang on. Business. Wash your mouth out. Isn't it Craig Bennett AM or OAM? OAM. OAM. Exactly. Yeah. So we had, he had a little shindig. Um, him and his partner, Craig, had a little shindig. Anyway, his, his parties are great. So. You know, because it's just, I don't know, it's just different. There's always really interesting people there. So I get there to the party. I come in a bit late, suitably rock star late. And um, the first thing I do when I get there is they go, oh, Brian Mannix, oh, God, we've got to get a photo of you and Bronwyn. And I'm going, what? And here's Bronwyn Bishop there. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm not sure how me and Bronwyn are going to get on. I better be on my best behaviour here. Anyway, I start talking to Bronwyn and oh, we hit it off fantastically and, you know, by the end of the day I was suggesting, you know, about, you know, my tampon factories which we've spoken to about, you know, when I get into Parliament. But she was great. I was really impressed with her. But also at the party I'm thinking I know this woman from somewhere and then suddenly it dawns on me, B. Smith from Prisoner. Val Val Lehman's there, and and the girl that played the Asian hostess on Skyways is there, and she's not even Asian. They used to put sticky tape on the side of her head and just spray her <laughs> yellow. Oh, I don't think God. you can do that now. Uh, so that's interesting. But that's what I'm saying. There's all interesting people there. Anyway, I'm talking to Val Lehman, and she's knocking the champagne back, and she's having a great old time telling me about Prisoner and playing the lead in Misery, the play on the West End. I think that'd be cool. And anyway, later on, Val, you know, we're all, it's hot, so we're all jumping in the pool and having a swim, and Val's in there, and, you know, she, she can beat me in a swimming race. I doubt it. But um, 
and she reads Jaws as a shit movie. Well, she's an idiot, but, you know, she's old, so that's fine. <laughs> but anyway, she gets out of the pool and nobody knows where her teeth are. Oh, God. So uh, the search for Val's teeth went on. We're scanning the pool. We, we ended up finding a bit of the Malaysian three-flight four part of the wing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. But so far, Val's teeth haven't been found, so... What I said I would do, I'd go down to the trick shop and get some of those Dracula, you know, those plastic Dracula ones yep. just to fill in till we find them. But um, but the rest of the day spent mostly people saying, now where are Val's teeth? You know, but <laughs> it was a very fun day. Um, oh. I had a great day and congratulations to Craig. We should get him on the show. He's a very interesting guy. Let's do that because he is a very interesting human being who ha- obviously has a, an incredible circle of friends and uh, oh. and outside of that, the acquaintances and people that he's uh, dealt with over the years and, and interviewed and done all that. He would be fascinating. What? We'll get him on. Wait a second. Hang on. I've got another one. Oh. Inglebert Humperdinck's son's there. What? And so I'm splashed around with Inglebert Humperdinck's son, right. um, Arnold Dorsey's son, then to be Jerry Dorsey. Anyway, we're talking. I said, you know, you, you know, saying about you know people he met when he was a kid, and I'm going, oh yeah, did you meet, uh, you know, Dean Martin? I said, oh yeah, yeah. And then you know, he showed me photos of him and Dean Martin, and I go, what about Elvis? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we met Elvis. You knew Elvis well, you know. And he's showing me pictures of him and Elvis, and geez, I'm getting really jealous of this. And then Karen Carpenter. Yeah, we know Karen Carpenter. He's a picture of me and Karen. Yeah, So I think, okay, what about a Beatles? You mean a Beatles? So we used to live pretty much next door to John Lennon and our dog kept stealing his bread or something and he'd come and tell us off and get tell the dog thing. <laughs> so, you know, just really interesting people and um, – that's why they kicked me out. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, now, where did you – what did you do with Val's teeth? Because obviously you knocked them off. Well, look, I've actually been working here with some bottle tops yes. trying to build a <laughs> new ones. Um, like something out of a uh, Bond movie. Yeah, like that Jaws guy in Living <laughs> Die. <laughs> but, you know, well, it's either that, Kev, or just buy her a can of soup. I'm not sure. It's <laughs> one of the two, a blender. Get her a blender. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need then you don't need to bother now a lady that we've got on the program today uh, our, our guest <coughs> aren't you forgetting something what am I forgetting I'm getting to Murcotts in a minute oh okay yeah. but uh, I just want to tell people uh, who the guest is is Dinah Lee now she's 80 years of age she's got all her own teeth she's fine um uh, famous, of course, for her massive song in the in the nineteen sixties, "Don't You Know Yakamo," uh, and mm. "Reet Petite." The, I reckon still one of the best versions you'll ever hear of "Reet Petite," and it's been done yeah. by some mighty, mighty people over the years. So, have a little listen to uh, to what Diana did in in her career. A couple of uh, her big hit songs.
there you go. That's uh, the lady in action. We'll play Yokomo a little later on, but we're going to get to her shortly. And uh, we're also introducing a new little feature, Brian. Oh, this is good, Kev. This is genius. Because we feel, and, we're, and it's this is not an idle boast on our behalf, uh, we feel that we've talked to some incredible people over the history of this yep. program. And uh, if you don't go back and listen to the whole podcast, well, you know, you don't rediscover those things. So we're going to pull a little bit out from some of the fabulous people we've talked to and uh, play a little kind of flashback segment each week. And... Are you going to announce who we've got on today? Well, I'm going to go to Episode 6, Series 1, which is, you know, way back in, uh, gee, when was it? Uh, August of 2020, right right in the middle of the pandemic when you think about that. Yeah, right. And we were lucky enough to get Alice Cooper to sit in the studio and have a chat to us. So we've got uh, uh, some uh, fabulous memories of, uh, of Alice Cooper and some absolutely terrific stories. He talks about his drinking. He talks about Fred Astaire. He talks about Vincent Price. Um, he's, he's, it's terrific. So we'll bring that back for you and play a little bit of Alice as well. One question, uh, Kev. Now, we have interviewed Alice twice. Yes, we have. So is this a mixture of both those No, interviews? no, no, this is from the first interview we did with him. The oh. second interview was predominantly about the album that he did. Uh, this one was uh, just a, a basically just a friendly little about, chat. More about the man. Yeah. So uh, that's, uh, that's, that's coming up uh, a little later on. Fantastic. No, I think that's great. And, you know, because, you know, as I was saying to you before, I said, I kind of forget half the people we've had you on the show. You know, Gary Newman comes and says, oh, yeah, we interviewed Gary Newman. And, you know... It's funny because yeah, dri- oh, uh, I was driving along today uh, in the car, uh, you know, fairly like two hours in the car and a drive, and I reckon I heard seven artists that we've spoken to on this podcast, including Elliot Laurie from uh, from uh, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl from Looking Glass. Oh, um, that was a good Yeah, so, and just Gary, they played a bit of Gary Newman. Uh, also, they played a bit of Metal as Anything. We've had those boys on, on the show. Uh, I reckon there were seven or eight in the space of sort of 12 or 14 songs that I heard. Um, and we talked to them on this program. So, yeah, we're going to go back and relive some of those great moments. That's a great idea. And I'm looking forward to reliving those moments myself. And every one of those moments that we've had has been brought to us by our very good friends at Murcott's Driving oh, Excellence. Murcott's. Driving Excellence? Is there a stronger word than excellence, Kev? Because sometimes excellence just doesn't seem enough. Yes. Is there greater than excellence? <laughs> I don't know, uh, but if, and if we find it, we'll we'll talk to Mark about changing the name of the company. <laughs> well, oh, oh, so okay. I thought that was just you, you know, having a crack. No, 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 yeah. no. And they are they are the best people to talk to. They are the only people to talk to about uh, improving yourself and uh, the people that you care about. Uh, uh, your driving ability on the road. <laughs> In that two-hour drive today, I reckon I saw potentially. Uh, 30 people who should be uh, phoning the number you're about to give, Brian, because they, they need a bit of a brush-up on their skills. Well, let me see if I can remember that number, Kev. Uh, hang on, here it is. The only, it's the only freaking phone number I know. If I lose <laughs> I won't be able to ring anybody. one three hundred triple five five seven six. That number again, Kev. Write it down, people. Get your pen and paper. Here we go. one three hundred triple five five seven six. And I think that was the number I yelled out to the person in the blue Maserati in Currumburra who uh, didn't quite know where the blinker uh, flicker was uh, in the car that uh, that uh, they were driving. My son installed a bullhorn under his car when he got his first car so that he could abuse people and they could hear <laughs> and 
probably wasn't uh, legal, but he did it anyway, and I I don't want to stop free speech. So well done, Max Bannix. Yes, mercots.edu.au. That is uh, that is the uh, website if you want to jump on. Uh, you can uh, give gift certificates and do all those things. All the details of that are on the website. Thanks once again to Mercots. So let's get to our first guest. You've already heard a little bit of uh, uh, doing her stuff, and uh, now let's have a chat to uh, someone who I would best describe as a real trooper in the in the old sense and in the best sense possible. It's Dinah Lee. All right. Hello, Dinah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How lovely to speak to you. Brian Mannix is with me as well. I hope you can hear him. Are you there, Brian? I sure can. Oh, fantastic to talk with you both. Oh, thanks for coming in on on, on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Nice <laughs> to be invited. Oh, right, oh, pleasantries over with. Let's. Go. <laughs> Goodness gracious me, what's going on here? How, oh. the, how the hell are you? And where were you in New Zealand somewhere? Where are you? I'm in lovely downtown Windy Wellington. Right. <laughs> actually, actually, it's quite a nice day here for a change. But um, you know, we have we're, we're having a heat wave at the moment. It's uh, twenty degrees. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Brian's on the Gold Coast in Queensland, so he doesn't know anything about 20 degrees. Yeah, oh, nice. nice. Yeah, but see, I'm a Kiwi, so I like the cool weather. It doesn't worry me. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's talk <laughs> Let's talk about the Queen of the Mods. How, how, how is the Queen of the Mods these days? Uh, the Queen of the Mods is pretty good. Still working at um, this age and touring... Australia with the good old days of rock and roll and just finished a, a tour here with um, all the major cities theatres with a, a fabulous uh, Canadian singer called uh, Tammy Nelson. So I've been busy. It's been great. Yeah, that's really busy. And um, how how did you find, do you find it more tiring now, the touring? <laughs> Well, on after the gig? No, yeah, with a cup of tea, yes. <laughs> oh. uh, well, it is because, you know, flying from here, you know, usually we do, especially the good old days of rock and roll. I mean, we're playing to baby boomers, so baby, baby boomers don't like to stay out late for a start. We do matinees, you know, on Sunday in theatres, some Saturday night shows, but by the time I fly in from Wellington to whatever, Sydney or Brisbane or and Melbourne, we've got a two-hour time change, and then usually you've got to be at the theatre at 9.30 in the morning, and, and I do a show, you sign records, go back to a, a, a city to where you can catch a flight back to Wellington, which, you know, you've got to be up at 5 o'clock the next morning, so... By Monday, I'm completely stuffed. <laughs> yeah, travel day, the travel really takes it out of you. Um, I know when I fly, you know, in the States to do work, it takes me a day or two to get over it. It does, it does. I used to be able to fly to, say, Melbourne, do a show, party on, catch a plane at 6 o'clock in the morning back to Sydney, have a couple of hours sleep and start all over again. No way can I do that, no. So the question there is, what what motivates you to continue doing it now? Did you just love singing in front of people that much? It's very, 
they keep asking me, you know. So, and I keep saying, look, leave me alone. I'd, I'd like to retire now. But then I get people saying, no, don't retire. You know, you you you, you got to keep um, bopping till you drop type of thing. So I don't know. I, I just I just live, you know. Year by year at the moment, um, you know, because we're pretty well booked up next year touring uh, Australia. So, who, but, you know, buying this business, who knows what's next? You know, you don't know. Yeah, so you've been bopping a long time. You did your first gig at 15, is that right? Oh, yeah, 15, 16, and then that's in New Zealand. And, of course, um, there was Ray Columbus, Max Merritt and myself coming from New Zealand and you could only tour New Zealand so many times and we had to move to Australia and of course we had records released in Australia and there was the fabulous TV shows, you know, Bandstand, Sing, 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 all the Saturday shows that that were were going. So, you know, we had to move on and, and um, been going ever since. But it, it, of course, TV's not the same as it, as it was, you know, and um, unfortunately. Would you have ever imagined in your wildest, wildest dreams that 60 years later you'd still be singing Don't You Know Yakima? Look, I was going to be retired at 30, <laughs> driving a Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> Here I am at the wonderful age of 80, you know, driving a little Fiat 500 and still singing, don't you know, Yoko Mo? <laughs> who, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> well, it's, a, it, it's a song that's travelled beautifully, hasn't it? I, I just think it's one of those songs you can hear it. You heard it in 1964, now you hear it now, and it's still, it still bloody knocks the roof off the joint. It kind of still stands up, doesn't it? And, of course, where, you know, as Brian knows, when we... We recorded back then. It was only on a two track, and you're in the uh, in the studio with with the band, and and on the second ta- track you did the vocal backings and hand clapping and maracas or whatever you had to do, and it sort of still stands up today. Yeah, it does. I was listening, listening to it before, you know, and it's got really good. And the production on it's really good actually because um, the bass is quite prominent. I really liked that about it. And it's just really groovy as well, and that's a catchy melody. Where did the song come from? Don't you know, Yoko Mo? I think was originally a Huey called Huey Piano Smith, um, and uh, I got it off an al- an old album uh, by a, a black singer called Dee Dee Sharp. I don't know whether you've heard of her. Yep. And um, don't forget, it was 1964. That it was. The Beatles, it was the sort of Mersey sound. So, uh, and of course, I recorded it with Max Merritt, the Meteors, doing the um, the backing for me. And we just did it uh, how we thought that should be at that time, 1964, with the Mersey sound, that English sound. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and it was it's completely different to whatever. The other versions were, but um, that's my that was my version of it, and and of course Max and them, we just back then you just go into a studio and try things out. It wasn't nothing was really planned. You you've got a bit of a history of having great backing bands. I mean Max Merritt and the Media's is a very very top of the range backing band. But then was it your first tour of Australia that you had the Easy Beats 
playing as your backing band at one stage? I know. That was a tour that I'm just trying to think. I think it was um, – I did Harry M. Miller's um, Starless 64 with the Searchers, Peter and Gordon, Dale Shannon, Eden Kane, and we were in Perth, and um, that was – the Easy Beats were the backing – backing band there and I think they did the tour with us as as the as the backing band <laughs> with, with little with little Stevie Wright, yeah. Goodness me. Wow. That's amazing. Tell us tell us about getting the look that you had. That that was not an accident, but it sort of was an accident, wasn't it? Uh, well, it sort of was because, um, as I say, uh, the look came around about 1963 and it just, um, I think Max Merritt was was uh, going out with a, a lovely model at the time and um, her name was Jackie Holm and they ran, she worked in a, in a um, boutique in Auckland, Queen Street in Auckland and I just went up there one day and, and um, she just said, I'm going to change your look and took me out the back where they cut the patterns for the for the uh, dresses and cut my hair and put different makeup on and it completely like it was a Dr Jekyll and the Hyde. I completely changed, you know, and um, and did the look and of course it started a quite a bit of a sensation in New Zealand and Australia. So basically, you had the you had the fringe, and then you had the the really it was heavy white makeup, wasn't it? That you had. Oh yeah, pale lipstick, big black eyes, um, you know. And of course, the mini dress hadn't come out then. We were sort of wearing shifts and white nurses' stockings, and we did anything that could just make something, you know, do something different. When you're wearing singlets as mini dresses. <laughs> I was touring touring um, New Zealand, and of course, uh, a lot of um, loggers here and and bushmen. And I went to, into a shop and, and I bought a bushman singlet, wore it as a mini dress with with um, knee high boots. That that kind of got attention. Oh, bet it did. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it is it fact or fallacy that uh, your mother uh, saw you at an airport and didn't recognise you? Well, when I arrived uh, back in Christchurch with the haircut, because I got that in Auckland, and um, my mother met me at the airport, and of course when I landed, everybody thought an alien had landed. She took one, looked at me, and 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 burst into tears and said, what have they done to my little girl? <laughs> and because Christchurch was very conservative in, the, uh, in those days, you you went to town, uh, you know, and had a morning or afternoon tea, you wore hat and gloves, you know, and here's this freak arriving with, with this crazy look. <laughs> <laughs> the, those early days when you had uh, Yokomo and then you had uh, Reet Petit and uh, the Blue Beat, I mean, you, you, just, you had a bloody uh, procession of, uh, of massive hit, hit singles both in Australia and New Zealand. What, what were you – did you enjoy it? Yeah, oh, well, I was young. You know, this was fantastic. This was – just, I mean, everything was new back then. You know, we had no, we had a manager, but you didn't have image makers or marketing people. So you really had to do everything yourself, you know, and you come up with your ideas. And um, 
I was just talking to someone the other day, like reporters, they were mainly um, men back then. You know, you didn't have very many female reporters. Well, they sort of didn't get it. (laughs) You know, no one really got it, but you had crazy magazines, you know, good magazines like Everybody and things like that, but you had papers with uh, the truth and everything, and they really... You know, that that gave you a bit of a pounding, but hey, you know that's okay. Were there were there any? Oh, Ivan, I didn't look into the. I didn't think you'd be in the truth. I thought you were too wholesome for the truth. <laughs> well, I did have a few parties, you know. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Well, come on. What, what was the what was the Dinalee scandal of the time? Uh, well, mainly. Well, no, I was I was very good. But you didn't have much time because back then, uh, you know. If, if Brian can remember you. You worked nearly every night. You were working Melbourne. You you flew to Perth. You uh, went to Brisbane. You were on Ivan Damon tours. You really didn't relax much, but when you did, you really partied. Like you know, we partied in Sydney, and we're all in. I stay. I had apartments in in Potts Point. And Billy Thorpe was on one floor. Uh, I was on another floor. There were some models on another. A, a couple of, um, well, gang gangsters on the other floors. Right. But we just we just partied, you know. And and we did get kicked out of a few apartments. But <laughs> you know that that was the times. <laughs> How long would you have to perform for in them days? Wasn't that long, you know? You could you could do a half an hour to forty five minutes, and that was about it. It was great. But Brian, everywhere you went, see, I had to take a musical director with me because if you went to somewhere like Perth, uh, in those days there was all different nightclubs, and you worked at different nightclubs every night. You had a different band. And it oh, made it wow. it made it very difficult. And if you know the club scene in Sydney, um, you would walk in and you'd have to have, a, as I say, a musical director because you only talk charts. You didn't rehearse. And um, yeah, I look wow. back on I look back on that and think, Christ, how did I do that? You know, that that was yeah. hard. That was very hard. But but everybody did it, and that's what you did. So. You know, you got bands that, uh, you know, like, well, you had to go and turn their music up the right way and <laughs> some of them couldn't read and, you know, I, I even went to a place on New Year's Eve somewhere out uh, at the outback of um, Australia and the guy walked in with his drums nailed to a board, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, all different things like that, and it, that was hard, except when I worked uh, with, um, we had the good old days of rock and roll back then with Johnny O'Keefe. Well, he had, he, we did have a band then, and, of course, we, that was fantastic up until he passed away. Yeah. The uh, the music took you all over the world. I mean, you went to the US. Uh, how, did you, how did you find that experience back in those days when the world was a really big place as opposed to how small it's become now? Well, that's right. I went to the um, United States in 1965, and I did a television show there called Shindig. They were the big, massive uh, TV shows there. Um, and I went on to England and did um, Thank You, Lucky Stars and Seen at 6.30. But in those days, um, 
uh, you know, a lot of our stars, uh, Max Mirror, Thorpe, all of them tried to make it in England, um, but, of course, they called us the colonials and didn't want to know much about us. And in America, you had to um, have, uh, you know, green cards and you had to belong to the union. And, of course, America was tough allowing other people to get, you know, they just looked after their own um, artists. So it, it wasn't an easy time for, for the Kiwis and the Aussies to try and happen over there until, I mean, the Easy Beats, uh, they made it in the UK. And, of course, our Olivia and that started in the 70s, but in the 60s, very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. You sang, uh, sang with Glenn Campbell. Was that on Shindig or was that on something else? That was on Shindig, yes. We sang a duet to, a, a together called um, uh, Roadrunner. And, uh, of course, I worked with the Shin, Do- uh, Shin Dogs. That was a backing group. And, of course, the guitarist was Elvis Presley's guitarist. Oh, really? You know, we're just great musicians. You know, the backing girls were the Blossoms, um, uh, who, who I think worked with Elvis. And, yeah. um, and then the second time I, I went to and did Shindig, um, Ray Charles was the star of that show. So wow. It, it was just a, a great experience. For me, a young kid from from you know down under to to work those shows, it was the producer on the first show, Jack Good, who never appeared on television. Uh, he rode me out on a little moped because that's what the mobs did, you know. The, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the first time he appeared on TV, and of course, I was a little mod back then, and it really hadn't happened uh, in America in '55. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, did you get into something really different and really left field in the eighties that would surprise a lot of people about you? <laughs> what I I took up bodybuilding, weight training. Yeah. You mean, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, the nineteen eighties. I thought, gosh, I'm getting old. You know, I better start getting the body into shape. And um, so I, I started weight training and. and, and once I start things, I get a little obsessed, you know, and I had to carry that through. But um, don't do that much these days. Well, hang on a minute. When, when, when you say you get a bit obsessed about it, the Australian Female Bodybuilder of the Year. Uh, yeah, 40 at 40. Yeah, which is, you know, yeah. no mean feat. You need more than obsession to be able to do that. Well, I did. I worked very hard to do it and dieted and and all that, and I carried that right through until, of course, COVID happened, you know, and then things start getting a little harder as you get older. <laughs> I guess you could say that you were a top 40. I want that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Back in the charts again. Well, back actually, you, <laughs> you are back. You have been back in the charts again of recent I times. No. Uh... Can, you, can you believe that? Well, it's astonishing. Uh, well, not astonishing, but it's bloody terrific. Uh, the complete collection, the Dinah Lee complete collection, uh, top five. Uh, or top I, f- I know. Uh, the, the collection, which was a, a CD that we put out with 30 songs on it, and the complete collection is a, a box set with three CDs, and I've got a 40-page booklet of, of my whole career spanning from, um, you know, Right when I started, even before 1964, right up until 
um, the Hall of Fame, New Zealand Hall of Fame yeah. in 2020. So, and they're all songs, all my old songs. There's there's a song like I also did quite a few uh, commercials back in those days, and they're even on them. Oh. And um, it's it's an unusual album. It's got everything I've ever done, you know, like recorded and uh, different ads that I did back then. Plus, uh, I had recorded back in the seven uh, in the eighties and the nineties, and all that stuff's on it. And then a fabulous singer over here called jo- Jordan Luck, who has a band called the Exponents, is quite a very very. Big here, he wrote me a song called Cathedral Square, which was, of course, from Christchurch, and and um, that's on it. And I've, I've just done so many different things and and put them all on this album and um, turned it into a box set. So I I think this might be my last hurrah. <laughs> well, we hope not. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Brian, it's very difficult to record these days and to get to get product out, you know, but yeah. that was fabulous. My collection was number three and the and the uh, complete collection was number seven on the charts, the, the, the um, album charts in New Zealand. So the old girl right did up. it again. <laughs> and we'll continue to keep really doing it, we hope. Listen, I'd be really interested to listen to the ads. Um, yeah, well, yeah. That you put there. yeah, well, yeah, well, everything's on there because you know I did um, back in the sixties. I I was the face of Yardley Cosmetics, and I think that's one of the first celebrities that started doing. I think Twiggy did it in London, and um, I did it in um, Australia, and uh, it did. Did makeup, you know, Yardley promoted a, a, a makeup collection that, um, of course, now everyone does it, you know. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Hey, Donna, thank you so much for, for chatting to us. It's a bloody pleasure to catch up with you, and I'm glad you, you're going well at the ripe old age of 80 and many more I to come. I know. Can you believe that? I mean, but there again, you look at Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney and Rod Stewart and... Brian Mannix, you know, we're all going. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you, Donna. And we look forward to seeing you here next year doing some tours again. I will definitely be there and who knows what's going to happen after that. In this business, nobody knows. Exactly. Uh, lovely, to, lovely to speak with you, Donna. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank, thank you and thanks, Brian. Good to catch up with thanks, you. Thanks, Donna.
song has stood the test of time beautifully, as has Dinah Lee. And you can see Dinah and uh, and a whole. Uh, they call this show. They make sure that they tell you this show is. It's not a tribute show. It's the real deal, and it is because it's not only Dinah Lee and Little Patty who's coming up in uh, an episode or two uh, on this program, but Lucky Star, yep. Jade Hurley, and your mate Digger Ravel. Well, yeah, beauty. <laughs> yeah. We love Digger. No, no, that that was good. And actually, I was really impressed with their um, their touring schedule. I'm thinking, gee whiz, maybe I ought to get on this show. They've, they've got a really extensive tour going there, and um, it's quite inspiring for me because I think, oh, well, they're 70 and 80, and I think, oh, well, maybe I've got a few years left in me. Absolutely. The good old days of rock and roll, you can find them on Facebook uh, and uh, see the dates when they're appearing around the place, but it is a terrific show, and as they say, not a tribute show, it's the fair dinkum real deal. So uh, go and uh, see Dinah and Little Patty. And Little Patty, as I said, will be a guest on the program in a couple of weeks. Now, let's get to our... And, uh, yes. Little Patty will also be... They'll be showing you how to make a Little Patty on uh, Food Bites next week too. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. No worries. <laughs> let's get to our flashback guest, and it is uh, the great, the one and only Alice Cooper. We had him uh, Series 1, Episode 6, way back in August of, uh, of 2020, uh, and uh, we got the chance to have a chat with him about all sorts of things. But we, uh, the very beginning, we started talking about uh, his obsession because hundred. The day that we spoke to him, he lives in Arizona, and the mm. day we spoke to him, it was going to be in the old money, hundred and twenty degrees, which is That's like forty something. Yeah, lucky he plays golf at about you know. Sparrows fart. Exactly. Is, uh, so, so we talked to him about, you know, his his obsession with golf and where all that all started. Well, I can tell you, but it's probably better that he tells you. Hey, Alice, who introduced you to golf? How did you get into golf in the first place? You know, it was a funny thing because I was a good baseball player. And uh, when I stopped drinking 38 years ago, uh, I had to find an addiction that wasn't going to kill me. <laughs> because all my other addictions were killing me. So I stopped drinking and drugging and all that, all the rock and roll stuff that you're supposed to do at my age. And, uh, and I said, well, I, I can't just sit here at home. You know, uh, when, when you're on tour, it's a little easier because you're working all the time. But when you're at home, you know, that's, that's not a good idea for an alcoholic. So I said, I've got to find something that's going to be an addiction that's going to take five hours a day and it's not going to kill me. I went out and I, I picked up a golf club and I took one swing and I hit a seven iron right down the middle. And the, the pro says, you're a natural. And since then, I play five, six days a week, every single day. Wow. So you've played in the last 37 years, I imagine, I estimate you played 13,172 games of golf. And that's probably a lot better than having 13,172 bottles of vodka. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's true. I mean, I was like, I got to a point where, you know, I was drinking, you know, I was one of the Hollywood vampires, you know. We were drinking every single night up at the at the Rainbow in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, it was the regular gang. It was uh, Harry Nielsen and John Lennon and Keith Moon and uh, Mickey Dolan from the Monkees and Bernie Toppin and, Every single night, that was the drinking club, and <laughs> it just got to be such a normal. It just got to be such a normal thing to to drink all night. You know, finally, my 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 body started going. Hey, we're dying in here. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, golf came pretty naturally to you, though, didn't it? Because you've got um, acute perception, would that be fair to say, that you watch somebody do something and then you can pretty much do it. Well, it's, it's you know, it's a muscle memory thing. You know, I played yeah. so much. But it really did help. I mean, I haven't had a drink in 38 years, you know, and I uh, and I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't had any drugs or anything like that. And that's why I'm still here at 72. Hey, Alice, does your wife call you Alice? She calls me Your Majesty, which I just think is so <laughs> wrong. You know, no, she calls me Coop. She calls me Alice. She calls me Honey. She calls me Babe. You know, my mom uh. calls me Vince. Uh, now, okay. now, now, see, there's two people in the world that call me Vince. My mom and Keith Richards. Oh, really? <laughs> Keith Richards will not call me Alice. No. He goes, Vinny, 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 Vinny. Is it Vinny, how long has it been since you've had a drink? And I'd say like 38 years ago. Ah, it, it begs the question, why? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Keith Richards impersonation. Uh, uh, how... How are the tap dance lessons going? We we kind of went through the tap dance phase, you know. And my yeah. my wife is a professional dancer. I mean, yeah. she was with Joffrey Ballet, and you know, I mean, she's that's what she's Ginger Rogers pretty much. And my two da- my two daughters are also trained in every kind of dance. So they were just putting the tap dance shoes on, and they, you know, I mean, they were all over the place. They were Fred Astaire, you know. The three guys in the house were sitting there going, okay, one, two, three, bump, one, two, three. I, I actually was a little better than most of them, but uh, you probably won't see it on stage. You're not going to see any tap dancing on stage. Uh, well, there was kind of tap dancing in um, some folks in Welcome to My Nightmare with the dancing skeletons and all of that. That was a bit tap dancing. You know what? That You're absolutely right. That actually was uh, a moment in my life where – we said, let's turn this one section of the nightmare into a Fred Astaire's nightmare. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> you know, and and actually, he came to the show, and he saw he saw the show where the the you know where the uh, skeletons would just show up. They would turn, and they would be, uh, it would be all black, and then they, when they turned around, they had fluorescent bones on, and they would just show up. And he was standing yeah. there, and he went. That that is great. He said, "I can't believe we didn't think of that back in the day." But what a compliment to my dancers, you know, for the, for for Fred Astaire to go back and you know compliment them on on their dancing. That that was really one of the coolest moments. Oh wow! Uh, hey, yeah. speaking of cool moments, whose idea was Vincent Price? Well, Vincent Price, we you know we were trying to think of what voice is a voice that everybody would recognize. For the on the on the nightmare, we needed him to be talking about the spider uh, museum, and we you know we kept going. Well, Boris Karloff's not with us anymore, and uh, you know we went through the whole list, and then finally, Bob Ezrin said, "What about Vincent Price?" And everybody said, "Oh, you'll never be able to get him." So I gave him a call, and he says, "What time do you want me there?" <laughs> <laughs> he came down right then, and and he says, "Can I rewrite some of this?" And I went, "Absolutely." I said, you're in the band now. So go ahead. So he rewrote some of it. I never had so much fun as working with Vincent Price. He was, he, I swear, he would have joined the band. <laughs> because he, 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 he wanted to do this. We did a video. We did a three day. Uh, we worked for about a week on, on a full-length video for Nightmare. And he was in almost every scene. And he and I got along. We were, I mean, we talked horror movies and everything like that. But this guy had a great sense of humor. I mean, 
he was really, really fun to work with. And then later on, Michael Jackson used him in yeah. Thriller. You know, but yeah. I gave him his first platinum album. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I think what I love most about her is her innate, her inborn need to dominate, to possess. In fact, immediately after the consummation of her marriage to the smaller and weaker male of the species, she kills and eats him. Oh, she is delicious. <laughs> and I hope he was. Oh, such power and dignity, unhampered by sentiment. If I may put forward a slice of personal philosophy, I feel that man has ruled this world as a stumbling, demented child king long enough. And as his empire crumbles, my precious black widow shall rise as his most fitting successor. His words he speaks are true. Where are the humanary stew? We don't, we don't pledge allegiance to the Black Widow. Oh, that voice of Vincent Price, and he's right. He got his first platinum album from Alice, then he got about 75 platinum albums from Michael Jackson after that. <laughs> Which yeah. probably, probably says, but, off Alice's idea. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, so uh, more of uh, the great guests we've had over the years coming in uh, in episodes of, uh, of the program. Also coming up, we mentioned Little Patty. Uh, she'll be on in a couple of weeks. Uh, also Barry Williams. Greg Brady. Oh, Greg Brady. God, am I spewing about that? Slipped in. Uh, so we've got Greg talking about uh, – Barry talking about Greg and all, all things Brady and what he's up to these days. Uh, Graham Nash will also be on. He's uh, just about to tour Australia. Uh, Huey Lewis uh, had a Wee. chat. I forgot about Huey Lewis. Had yeah. a chat to Huey. Uh, in the early hours of the morning. So he's, despite the fact that he's got this horrible, horrible thing that's happened to his hearing, um, he was in great spirit, so uh, he's a terrific fella. And uh, John Stevens also coming up in yeah. uh, episodes of, uh, of Life of Brian. So look forward to that. All thanks to our very good friends at Murcotts. Don't forget, give him a call, Brian. Well, before I give the number out, Kev, I'd just like to say I've, I've really considered this and I think driving excellence is the way to go. Yeah. I just can't. So I don't want them to have to change their signs. It's beautiful. It yep. can't be any better. And the number, if you want some driving excellence, is one three hundred triple five five seven six. Here it is again. Write it down. Tell your mum you've taken a day off school to get some driving excellence. One three hundred triple five. Five seven six. Mercots.edu.au. Now we're going to finish with a. Well, we're going to play a bit of my favourite Alice Cooper song of all time. And, and look, I could have picked. Like you, I think I think we're both mad Alice Cooper fans, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think it's no surprise that he's our first flashback guest. Yeah, exactly. Because um, uh, it was such a bloody thrill to uh, to get the chance to talk to him. Uh, no more, Mister Nice Guys. My my one that I've chosen. What have you chosen? Well, I've chosen a, a rare Alice Cooper song. It's um, I think it's track ten on the School's Out album, and I like this because it. I play it to people and they don't even know it's Alice. It sounds like a really early Beatles song, but I think it's a really good song and it's just Alice branching out a little bit from uh, his normal stuff, but I think it's really great. And so I've picked this because I think it's a song that a lot of people will like if they actually got to hear it. So right. we'll that's play a bit, of, a bit of mine, a bit of yours, so it's no more Mr Nice Guy and Alma Mater. That's, uh, that's to finish the show off. Thank you, Brian. Till the next time, take care, take it easy and... Keep yourself nice.
Thank you, Kev. And for those listening, have a great week. Bye.